Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Did you know 65% of high potential businesses fail due to co-founder fallout? And today I'm chatting to Nikki Co, a branding expert, but also a business coach specializing in working with co-founders and helping them build excellent partnerships. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Now that is quite a niche working with co-founders. Mm. Tell me how that came about. Yes. So, well, I suppose it's, it, it's funny as I feel like we tend to create the businesses that perhaps we've needed ourselves in the world. And I am co-founder of a branding agency called Lunar and Lion, which I've been running with my co-founder for nearly four years. Well, one of the best choices I ever made was to start that business. The adventure, all of it has been so fantastic. And I feel like co-founder coaching came from a point in my own founder journey where we've been building Lunar and Lion and we weren't new anymore, but we weren't established. And in my head, I was like, what do I want next in this business? What's the next stage of our partnership? How have we built this out? And I tried to find a co-founder coach to help me with that journey because it is such a unique, rich, complex, challenging, all the things in one in, in a relationship. And I couldn't find the spot I looked for. Obviously, there are coaches that support executives and co-founders, but I really wanted a coach who was a co-founder who understood firsthand what that adventure and dynamic is like. And I couldn't find one. So I thought, huh. There's a chance for me to lean in because I've been coaching founders for years alongside running the business. I've loved it and very much saw over time myself bringing coaching more and more into my work life. And this felt like a really good place to add value. And the more I've pulled that thread and I've done, obviously, work with co-founders, done lots of research as well. The more co-founders have been like, oh, my gosh, this is really kind of what's been the secret source here because it pulls in the relationship with my co-founder, my individual progress, and also the business kind of in one in one thing, in one mixing pot that I feel like is, has kind of been a, a turn of fate and I've been really enjoying building out over the last sort of well, nearly a year now. So yeah, that's kind of where I've got to today. At what point <laughs> do you join a co-founder on the journey then? When, when are people seeking you out? It varies, but I feel like it comes from, as I suppose a lot of coaching does, it comes from a place of tension and by tension I don't necessarily mean you know arguments I mean even tension within yourself of being like something isn't working I feel stuck I don't know what's happening and um, whether that's as an individual co-founder or whether it's as a team um but what I like about the work that I do is that what I support co-founders with is a real mix so I suppose there are a couple of main themes in terms of helping co-founders deal with and move through tension. So that could be things like they feel like they're misaligned now on company vision. Um, they not totally clear on their roles and responsibilities and how they best sit together. Perhaps there's been a change in what they both expect from the relationship in terms of their personal boundaries, their lifestyles, 
And then also there's the other side of where perhaps co-founders have just got funding and they're looking at like, what's the next stage for us? How do we map up our partnership to be the leaders that we need to be to build a high performing business? Um, so I guess it's kind of two things. One is almost helping resolve and move forward. The other is, you know, we're kind of in a great place. How do we make sure that we're set up for success as a, as a team here? And what do you think makes partnerships work? <laughs> well, I feel like it sounds so basic, but I often ask co-founders and remind, ask them to remind themselves of why did you get a co-founder in the first place? And it's often because it comes, it's comes from a need, right? You need a partner, whether that's a skill set need. So perhaps, you know, I see partners where perhaps one is more the sales mind, one is tech, you know, there's there's sort of a, a gap in the skills that you need to, to bridge with a partner. Or the other is more on the support. So you want someone that's kind of in the trenches with you and building out this dream and vision and that knows exactly what it feels like for you and what you're going through and and the highs and the lows and all those things. And often the two overlap, but I feel like people quickly forget why they chose a co-founder in the first place. And I think reminding themselves of that is, is really important. People don't do it. But I think there are almost a few core things that I look at when I start working with co-founders to understand sort of what makes it work and what isn't working within those and one that I mentioned first is actually looking at roles and responsibilities. So it sounds obvious, right? You know, even when you apply for a job, you get your job description, you know what's in it, you know what isn't. But again, I I see a lot that co-founders will agree up front. So for example, like, right, I'm in charge of sales, you're in charge of the tech or the platform. But they don't revisit it and say, are you happy with what you're doing in the business, what you're responsible for? How are you feeling about your workload? Do we feel like we're having everything covered? What do you want to develop? You know, those touch points that you would get if you had a review at work. Yeah. But people don't have amongst themselves. And that's an easy way to actually just to keep the partnership in check and be like, are we getting everything done? How's our workflow? Is the work split? Doesn't need to be even, but is it agreed as to what we're both contributing to the business? I always think it's a bit like a relationship, right? If you're at home, you know, you have to check that you're getting things done in the house that need to be done you know (laughs) who's taking the bins out today have you done what you know like it's just checking that those things are are covered and that between you you have that that conversation another part I see a lot is making sure that to keep the partnership going is you check in and where you're going to you know like people start a business and decide a long-term vision a mission and their passion for what they're doing but then life happens, right? You know, the business might change course, your lifestyle might change, um, things move. So that core vision and what you're doing and why you're doing it might evolve. And again, I feel there's that's emotive, isn't it, as well? You know, your reason for doing something is is a real drive. So I think co-founders don't check in on that and be like, are we still going to the same place? We're still reading the yeah. same map to get to the same destination. Because I think, yeah. again, those, those chats don't feel like a priority. Yeah, and their personal and professional priorities might change as they get older or have life experiences or you know other things happen in their life and if you're going into a partnership what would you advise people to do before they set up I almost like to think this a little bit as sort of co-founder dating not in the literal sense (laughs) but the idea that again there's such a head and a heart element to this setup and, and dynamic being really clear on actually the practical things I mentioned, like roles, responsibilities, long-term vision, but actually being really honest about how do you want this relationship to work day to day? It might sound like a question, but even like how close do you want to be? Yeah. I work with some co-founders who think like, well, of course we're friends, you know, we're in this every day. And they're like, well, not this bluntly, but like, well, we're not friends, you know, we're not friends. I don't want to get, you know, photos of your dog at the weekend. You know, we're here to, 
here to get this done. And that's something that, again, people don't flesh out and have the boundaries around to be like, actually, we're best together when we talk nine to five. If you text me in the evening, it actually just you know, annoys me. Like, yeah, it's yeah. draining. So mapping that out, which I think comes from everyone taking responsibility for their own self-awareness and understanding, which again, isn't it? We've all seen it in all kinds of dynamics where if something happens or isn't aligned, it's lazy and easy to blame the other person, the situation, the business, the market, the team, rather than be like, well, I'm a co-founder here in this partnership. How am I showing up? How am I communicating? How am I expressing what I want, what I need? People don't take the time to share those, well, understand those things about themselves before they you know, get a co-founder. Yeah. Or, so actually communicate those things before they get into, into partnership. Which I get it. I've been there. You know, you're excited. You want to start yeah. the business. You think this is all going to be the best things ever happened, which hopefully it really is. But I feel like there's an amazing quote from James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, you know, the really famous book. And it's um, what future problems could be avoided if you had the courage to say it now. Yeah. And I come back to that so much with co-founders being like, I know it might be hard when you're kind of matching co-founders or in the thick of it with your co-founder to say things that are easy to ignore, feel awkward to bring up. But if you don't, what's the consequence? Yeah, they could snowball. They could snowball into something a lot bigger later on. And from a legal standpoint then... Mm. I think some people go into partnerships sometimes organically, you know, oh, they've yeah. got an idea or they do it with their best friend or, you know, it's like, oh, no, we're fine. We're going to be friends for life, you know, and, and sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And like, you know, yeah. got a lot of partnerships will fail for, for different reasons. But from a legal point of view, then, what would you advise partners to do before they get together or as they're getting together and founding the business? Yeah, so no, you're not a lawyer, but <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And on that point, I've actually built a network of lawyers, mediators, and accountants to help come in when needed. Because it's actually your point. I'm conscious that they, you know, there can be so much here that I'm not qualified to support with. But absolutely, I'm kind of that core anchor point to bring in those experts when they're needed. But I think the basics are having a partnership agreement, so having a legal document that lays out roles, responsibilities, who owns what in the business. There are templates of those online and you can get legal support as well. I'm happy to connect to people that, that are looking for that. But I think, again, it's having that checklist up front because what I find actually, obviously a lot of the contracting is legal, but a lot of the contracting that goes wrong is the the stuff that I said it is more about the relationship. It's, it's almost the unsaid things, right? The niggles that build up. What you wouldn't have in that partnership agreement is actually often what makes or breaks it rather than what you've laid out in a, a contract that's been signed with you and a lawyer. So both parts are really important to have set up. And and again, I always encourage co-founders that whilst those conversations early on might feel awkward when you say, right, we need to get a contract drawn up to be really clear on who who owns what for a sense of, you know, literally in the company and, you know, roles and responsibilities wise, you owe that to yourself to then protect yourself long term, protect the energy you put into the business, the investment you put into the business. Because ultimately, to your point earlier, obviously, we all want to think this is going to be fantastic. And I really hope that it will be. But it's just common sense to have that in place. And I try and frame it with co-founders being like, actually shows the ultimate respect for your business and your partner to say, I really believe in this. And I think to to do that and honour that, we need to make sure our setup is really strong and really clear. Yeah, it's kind of like a, like you say, the, the legal covers the dots, the I's and crosses the T's from the financial mm. To sell it and everything like that, but it's almost yeah. like it's that softer part of it that's like maybe I don't know a partnership promise. Like, what do you promise? <laughs> yeah. 
you know, your vows, like a way, like you say, yeah. your dating analogy, like what are your partnership vows in sickness and in health? What is going to happen? You know, <laughs> how would you behave, you know, or what? I you love know, that what- term. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. And in that sense, I always try and get co-founders to actually almost like role play situations. So again, isn't it? We, as we said, life happens, things change. It's about checking in and maintaining a strong relationship if, if you've not already got one. But as you say, like if our biggest client dropped out and we lost x money overnight how would you react what would be your first priority if you had kids if your lifestyle changed how do you want to show up in the business you know actually having these conversations and finding the power in knowing that I think there's there's so many challenges in running a business and your partnership does not need to be one of them yeah it's supposed to help right you're supposed to be a team and I think a lot of people try to well, they they either make assumptions about how the team dynamic is, or they just avoid it, yeah. which isn't <laughs> is sadly not a sustainable approach to to building a successful partnership. And I think as well, the more partners you throw into the mix, then the more complicated it, it could get. Because a lot of people might start with two co-founders, but if you've got three or four, the more that are brought in, then obviously you still need to apply the same kind of things, but you just have more mm. personalities, more situations, more outcomes. Are you ready to scale your e-commerce store? Want to do it without having to wear yet another hat and become a digital marketing expert? This episode is brought to you by Neon Digital Clicks, the paid traffic partner for family and women's e-commerce brands wanting to scale their stores from five-figure to six-figure months using Meta, Google and Klaviyo marketing services. Neon is offering listeners a free scaling audit worth £3,000. So whether your sales have plateaued or you're looking for growth, this is a great opportunity to lift the lid on your business and identify where the opportunities are hiding. Head to scalingglow.com to discover just how much revenue you could scale your store to this year. Yeah, and it's fascinating working across different backgrounds as well to your point around, did they meet because they were friends? Did they meet because they were matched to Accelerator? Did they meet because they're family, you know, like family or were they ex-colleagues or... And again, there's absolutely no right way to do it. It's, but it's about knowing that that's how we met. That's what I know about you. What from that context we bring into being co-founders? How do we show up together? And accepting that, embracing it. You know, it's. I find it really funny how, as I said, you have co-founders because you need different people in that partnership. But then, yeah, I think just as humans, we naturally assume that people think about the same things that we do, see the same things that we do. It's almost an odd contradiction that actually you want differences yeah, to, you want to make a great partnership. Yeah. yeah. Then um, people kind of think it's similar. I've seen, I had a look at your website before we started recording and you have a great a great freebie to give away, which is the seven questions to ask your co-founder. So we'll um, we'll link that below in the show notes. But what are the seven questions then to ask your co-founder? Well, I think it's it's the reason why I chose seven initially was this idea that actually, again, everyone thinks that it needs to be some long, deep chat. They need to set aside a whole day offsite to have these conversations, which if you can do, great. But also I understand, of course, that people are busy, there's priorities to manage. So my goal for this resource was that even if you could bring in one of those seven questions a week into your meeting together to start asking each other these questions, then, you know, I, I wanted to have impact. So they cover things like revisiting your original why you started the business and your vision, which, as we discussed, is something that people don't take time to realign on. Um, going back to also what I was saying about really respecting what each person wants from the business. 
again, it's a bit like a marriage to a point earlier. It's this idea that to be the best team, you both need to feel like you're shining and growing and being feeling grounded and confident as individual people. So how are you both living that out? I remember, I think it was Brené Brown. I saw her being interviewed and she was talking about her marriage. And it was basically, okay, both together give 100%. -hmm. But they, yes, they I've seen this other. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they check in with each other and go, what have you got to give today or this week? And, yeah. and she was like, I'm at 20%. And he's like, right, I can bring the 80. I think that that kind of check in, so like, okay, so if you're both, say, at 60, how can you get to 100? If you're both at like, you weren't reaching that 100, maybe is there someone else you need to bring in for a short period of time to help you to get to the 100? Or how can you dial it up to support each other? I thought the, her analogy was really good, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I also I listened to the podcast when she talked about that and I thought that was fantastic. And it's, it's it's an easy way, isn't it, to just express what's going on for you and how how you're feeling. And that could be used to your point around like day-to-day energy. That could be used for how you're feeling. You're living out your personal goals and the life that you want to build. I think having that space to really respect and understand them as individuals is, is really important. And then the questions cover things like how you air and resolve tension, things that might be unsaid. And then it ends like with a little bit of future planning. So what could you preempt being future challenges in your partnership that could be discussed now? So again, it's things like I said, like, you know, um, what would you do if we brought on another partner? What would you do if we lost the client or if one of us moved country, whatever it might be, Um, just to just to breast test that really and have those conversations. So, yeah. And what partnerships have you seen break down and then resolve each other? You can give me some examples. Obviously, we're not, we're not mm. going to be names, but you know, <laughs> how have things, how have they occurred or what's happened there? I think in a way, actually, this I, I can almost group them into a couple of themes, as you say, not to be too specific, but to but to give real life examples in that sense. It actually can't, I think a lot of it goes back to those buckets I mentioned around assumption and or avoidance. Yeah. So the idea that you assume that someone knows that you were annoyed that they trod on your toes in that staff meeting last week and those niggles that build up and create those kind of small gradual cracks in that foundation i think it builds on that idea of just assuming that things are fine um not voicing them when they when they come up and i think that really connects to the points we were saying around having that respect for each other you know i respect and understanding and communication come up a lot in the work that I do. And a theme that I feel you know, we can all relate to in different parts of our lives is almost this sense of when things feel a bit unfair. If, you know, co-founders are not necessarily in, the, in these words will be like, oh, you know, I'm just a bit pissed off because I feel like I'm doing more work and it's unfair or um, I've done this big project and I didn't get praise for it. That feels unfair. And I get you know, it's a human emotion. I, I understand where that comes from, especially when it's such an emotive and logical part of your life running a business. But I think people don't take the time to communicate and even just accept and said, like, we're different people. We're going to do things differently. That's what, you know, that's part of having a co-founder. So how can you lean into that? And the idea of avoidance, again, so people just actively say, like, that's awkward to talk about. We're just going to ignore that. <laughs> and they might use excuses like it's not a priority. I'll come back to it later. So they'll avoid those things because they're uncomfortable. And then in turn sort of deprioritize that partnership, which again, I see a lot. And when it comes to co-founders will admit like, oh yeah, perhaps I just, they might start by saying like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't need, didn't need saying, but actually it will, it will come to it. But then 
I, I supported a co-founder recently. When it comes, if it comes to a breakup stage, I tend to work with one co-founder because obviously I, you know, I want to protect sort of my support and, and not make it complicated. And it was a really interesting take actually, where actually the breakup was just from a place of a really empowered choice. So they'd almost done the prep work to set themselves up. They, you know, had their co-founder dates, having a you know a meeting, and then going for a walk in the park and going to the pub and you know testing that relationship. They'd clarified their roles and visions all sorts of things but as the business started as I said life happens their businesses change but because they'd established a rhythm of communicating openly respecting listening to what the other person said they got to the point where they're able to agree still you know it's still a hard decision to, decision to come to but able to agree that actually the partnership wasn't working and it was actually an incredible situation to be a part of because it came from a place of real power being like this isn't working for us I have the utmost respect for for you for your experience for your skill values all those things but we're not the right fit so I wish you all the best how can I support you going forward but uh, this isn't what I what I need and that was an incredibly yeah brave and refreshing take on working with people who just know that it's not right for them but it's not come from a place of negativity it's come from a place of what else could could it be for me yeah, and I think with that example as well, because they had mm. all of the almost due diligence, whether you would call it that, beforehand, yeah. the dates, the conversations, the the openness, that it wasn't maybe an easier or calmer end to a partnership than maybe if if it come out of the blue because the, the conversations didn't happen. I mean, a lot of that helps. I think identify my next question what would be and some of it you've already covered already but Mm. your tips on solving tensions within the business I think ultimately it comes down to making your partnership a priority and by that I mean understanding and being honest at the pivotal role it plays like that start you said at the beginning again you know 65% of high potential startups fail because of co-founder fallout Mm. so it comes down to asking yourself like what are you willing to do to protect your business and to make it successful and for your partnership make or break that it's prioritizing and being honest about it and I think a lot of the reason why people don't do that is because it's easier to focus on the hard factual stuff right rather than the stuff that's perhaps to do with them and how they communicate and how they show up and and that relationship but I think day-to-day it's about setting aside time on a regular basis to have a conversation sounds basic but a lot of co-founders I know don't do that and protecting that time and knowing that it's important and again guy you know things like my seven questions guy can help with how you know those conversations or you might have a structure in mind yourself doing the work on yourself as well as as I was saying knowing that it's lazy to say that this is about my co-founder you know the business the economy whatever what can you be doing to take control responsibility for you as a team player yeah, communicate, understand, be emotionally mature and aware of, of the impact that this has. And I think also be aware of the impact it has on the people around you. You know, I've been talking, I've been doing some work with companies who support building company culture. And again, the idea that co-founders might look to build a culture that, for example, is like collaborative, creative, progressive, all these things, but they don't show that within their own dynamic. <laughs> so, yeah. And do you, you know. often see with the partnerships that you've worked mm. with that there is a leader of the partner you know I'm always kind of curious in terms of the dynamic of that is is there usually a someone who is the pusher the leader the the taking it forward I think like Mm -hmm. maybe introvert and an extroverted person or I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of curious as to what you've seen 
in in partnerships really yeah it's a a real magical mix I guess is what makes each partnership obviously so so unique but to me it comes back down to the idea of agreeing communicating and agreeing on the power dynamic so within that sense obviously to your point within some partnerships there's a bit of a power struggle right so perhaps there is a limelight of some sort and they both want a piece of it and they feel like it gets back to that bit of being unfair like oh they're you know they get the praise for that what about me they always lead the sales calls what about me you know that comes in but some co-founders will be like look you're you're kind of the face I'm happy for you to be almost more like the personal brand side of the business and have you know be like make some decisions but I think again it's, it's about voicing that and again it comes back to roles and responsibilities if you know which bits of the business you own and you're in charge of that power struggle is way less likely to come up but it's fascinating and again it's influenced by what happens in your life around you your other relationships but it's such a key thing that people don't discuss so yeah just agree what it is yeah and how can people work with you and where can they find you Nikki so they can work with me as their co-founder coach (laughs) really really excited to support any co-founders out there whether it's one-to-one or as a team I do three and six month programs and I do one-off support as well so my website is just um nikkico.com so n-i-c-k-i-c-o-e.com and the best place to also reach them is just on LinkedIn so again I'm always active on there and trying to champion my learnings and my research into co-founders and, and what I see are the common themes I can try and support with. And of course, branding wise as well, you can find us at Luna and Lion. I'm all excited to support on those projects too. So yeah, please do reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions, share any resources. Um, as I really believe there's so much business potential and magic that is being missed or broken because people aren't enhancing their partnerships. Amazing. Well, we're going to have you back again to talk about branding at some point in the future. <laughs> branding. But thank you so much for joining me, Nikki. And I will be back again next week with another great guest. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. If you've enjoyed today, I would love for you to leave a review and I will see you again next week. If you'd like to hear more from me, your host, Nicole Higgins, you can follow me on Instagram at The Buying Retail Coach. Check out my website, www.thebuyingretailcoach.com or find me on LinkedIn. All the links are below in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter, The Step, for lots of helpful tips and advice.